Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, crap. So for those who are on the podcast, we're starting over because I didn't record, but we're good to go. You'll miss four minutes of gold, but don't worry about it. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> we, wanted, we wanted the backup, and I never did the backup. So this is where we're starting the podcast for those uh, listening on Blog Talk Radio or SoundCloud or wherever you are. So apologies to those folks, but you didn't miss much. Good thing I caught that early. Just uh, checking a few things. But, yeah, the $160 million for a group of five playoff, what we were discussing, that's only like $2 million a team. You know what I mean? $3 million a team. That's not – program changing money i mean on the on the other side it would it could it prevent a team like for example fresno state because it's the one i'm most familiar with we've talked about in the past how in the next five six years they're making like six different trips to southern california yeah fresno they're doing some crazy stuff and but they're getting like a million dollars a piece to do it every single time so if you put something like this into place are teams like Fresno State willing to take a step back from those buy, you know, those big payouts for road games when, I mean, let's be honest, like what are the odds that even five years from now Fresno State's going to beat a team like USC? Yeah, especially like, if they're on the rise, what they've been doing this end of this past year. Yeah, like if they're if they're getting a cut of this hypothetical playoff, are they more willing to schedule like maybe a home and home with a a solid to good, you know? group of five team like are they willing to bring just off the top of my head are they willing to bring like a, a middle tennessee to fresno or something like that and make that kind of return trip i don't know it's it's not much money there's no criteria what do they say it's a four team is that what they're working with or an eight team uh depending on which article you look at i know cbs sports had a hypothetical eight team playoff which to me I think eight is probably good because and for the same reason, I feel like the, the, the college football playoff, the big one at some point is probably going to go to eight itself. You would think because you'd hope. Yeah. Because that would enable you to get the five, you know, conference champions plus, you know, three at large teams, which I think, especially in the group of five is probably just about right because, you know, there were good teams this year, especially in the mountain West that, didn't win the conference you know air you could, force 10 wins force. three 10 win teams yeah exactly and you know that would enable a team like toledo to mix get into that mix a team like you know there were two or three really good teams out of the Sun Belt this year so i think that you know if if it were there i i would watch it you know what i mean i'm not well, gonna beat around yeah, that bush sure yeah it, plus this wouldn't be a five and seven team plan or these six and six teams. These teams are going to be likely conference champion mm-hmm. or let's just say I would have it up this year, but like San Diego state won their conference. Um, what when the, um, you might have Houston in there. You might have, you probably have the champions. And then the other three would come from the mountain West American conference. I mean, I wouldn't, three. I wouldn't say that that's a given, but I mean, well, I, I mean, think this about past year, maybe, I think about it in terms of like if 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 it were in place this year, and San Diego State had to play something like if it were an eight team playoff, for instance, where do you think they would have been after you know um, erasing the Las Vegas Bowl? They would have been ten and three conference mm-hmm. champions, but among the conference champions, where do you think they would have slotted one through five? Uh, who won the American? I forget. Was it Temple? It was Temple. I asked. It was, I asked... Um, Aztecs might be the number one seed, I'm thinking. Maybe. One or two. So let's say, for instance, that, you know, in round one, it's San Diego State and just off the top of my head, um, Appalachian State. Because I can't okay. remember exactly who won the Sun Belt off the top of my I'll head. I'll pull these up really quick. But yeah, I see. Get your point. But, let, you know, so they beat Appalachian State. Then they get to play maybe someone like, um, you know, Western Kentucky, which. I'm not going to lie. That would be a really fun game to watch. 
and then maybe they get to a title game against someone like Temple. Like, would that be worth it for a team like San Diego State? I think that, you know, for a team that came into 2016 with the kind of like schedule concerns, questions about, you know, the viability of their strength of schedule. Playing South Alabama. Yeah, well, and not only that, but like, you know, (laughs) Cal was kind of the best team that they played in their Mm non-conference. But to be able to have the opportunity to play three straight games like that, I feel like there probably is a tangible benefit to something like that, not only in terms of like bringing money to the program, but if they're winning in that kind of situation, I have no doubt that it would have a net positive effect on things like their recruiting and stuff like that as well. I probably could, but it's like, what's the... Actually, sorry, Western Michigan would be number one seed. We're obviously forgetting them, but... Yeah. <laughs> Football ended a while ago, but you'd have like... Yeah, because like San Diego State, and then like looking at the Sun Belt, it was the App State and Arkansas State tied, but App State, mm-hmm. I think it tiebreaker or something. They're 10-3. and three. Troy was 10-3, and three, but 6-2. and two. They'd probably play as at home, but like that money... Yeah, you maybe get home gate as well for, for hosting the first round. And too many games, that's not an issue because Texas High School, if you go to the title game in like 5A or 6A, you're playing 17 games. So you know what I mean? So like extra games mm-hmm. like that excuse doesn't fly with me at all. That's a lot. But I just don't know because the money's – there'll be a TV partner, whether it's NBC or ESPN, because they could play these during – before bowls because there's like that gap between title game for conference and bowl games. It was about two, almost two weeks. Mm-hmm. And nothing's on. So they could play – during those times, play a couple games and do it. Like the time frame works fine. Maybe get a break over Christmas, but you still want your best group of five teams to play in the big, the New Year's Day bowl game. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a play in they thought of, but I just think it's because Mike Oresco from the American had wants nothing to do with this. He's like, we're going to be a power six conference. We're going to mm-hmm. make the money. It's like, no, stop. You're stop kidding yourself. That's not going to happen. But I get, I get his point where it's like, well, we want to strive to be that mountain West. Hasn't said too much about it. Even within the MAC, there's this disruption or non-agreement because this comes from the NIU athletic director. So, like, mm-hmm. I get the point. It's football. You and I will watch. It's probably pretty good games. And maybe the regular season will change a little bit for your scheduling. But because if you look right now, they're technically requiring the uh, to play big teams if you're in the uh, Pac-12 or Big Ten SEC to play another like-minded yeah. or level conference. So, But I still think the money's yeah. there. And I just think it's a way to, like – it's not that it's a step back, but it's not it's not a step in the right direction to like what's the point? Is it just to get a couple million bucks to be able to pay for your swim team or gymnastics team? I mean, to some extent, maybe. <laughs> I think I think it kind of depends on where you're standing. Like I I mean, I don't know if I'm quite so cynical about the Americans' chances of getting to that kind of status, especially if they, you know, continue having a lot of success at the top of the conference. But, you know, consider a conference like Conference USA, for example. Like, I'm not offhand familiar with all of the, you know, details of their television contract. It's not great. It dropped the money because they're now on BN Sports. Exactly. And so I think that, you know, when you, if you're in a conference that is on kind of shaky financial ground with those TV deals, I think that, aren't they like the first conference to renegotiate in the near future? The Conference USA? Yeah. No, they've just renegotiated this past year, and there was a drop. Oh, okay. So that's what it was. So I think that, you know, if you're a conference like CUSA, you might be a little more incentivized to try and seek out that extra money. Whereas if you're, you know, let's be real, at the top of the Group of Five food chain like the American is, you would probably be a little bit less inclined. So I think that, you know, you would have to find the amount of money that makes it palatable for all parties i think and that and that 160 is floated just because they, they they don't even know the format it could be much more it could be less because i don't know what the 160 was based on if it was a 418 but that that number is just kind of tossed like well it could be in this range but we don't know the details so if it, mm-hmm. it's obviously more games more money you'll get extra money if you make it to the playoff if you win games like credits and NCAA tournament or what they do for the uh, college football playoff but it's it's just a tricky situation because you seem like we know there's a split probably coming. People know there's a difference in talent and what you will watch. There's a reason American games are on ESPN News 
and they're not on ABC. Very, very rare. Maybe one game a year, the American home game, like when Temple hosts Notre Dame or something like that, or the title game might be on there. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't get the point. Besides money and extra games, there's no real. What's the real like for you? What's the real incentive? Is it just money, extra game or two? Because the goal is you're in the same you you are in the same division as Alabama and Texas and you and USC. Money is pretty much the decision that drives everything or has driven everything in college football in at least the last decade. That's why you've got teams like Liberty and Coastal Carolina making the jump to the FBS to begin with. And that's why you've got, you know, the Mountain West and, you know, Conference USA kind of soaking up the remnants of the Western Athletic Conference. You know, and that's why you've got teams that are, you know, continually trying to move up. Like, how many teams has Conference USA taken from the Sun Belt in the last half decade or so? What, North Texas, so, Western Kentucky, quite a few. Yeah, more money, more money. You know what I mean? Yeah, FIU, all those guys, Milton, Old, Old Dominion, brand new team, Charlotte, UAB's bringing back their program. I just don't, I just need to, like, to me, there's the negatives there aren't great. Like, the positives are obviously a few million bucks. But I think the negatives in perception is that's my downfall. Until I see a more concrete plan, like say the winner gets to the New Year's Day game, that's fine. That'd be great. Maybe perhaps that's the scenario. But or if there's an if there if here's the thing, if there's a fourteen playoff, I'm probably more fine with this. But if it ever expands, like the main one to eight, there better be an auto bid for whoever group of five. Cause that makes sense. If it stays at four teams, go with it. But if it's eight team regular playoff. This should not be happening. Yeah, and I, I get we'll I get if you go to basketball, you have the NIT, the CBI, CIT. There's a joke. Vegas 16 had to be renamed to Vegas 8 because not enough teams wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So, ah, there's not. Until we get more info from the conference call, which nothing really came out, at least as of now. I mean, I think that, we'll you know, to the point about the NIT before I assume we move on, I don't know that the NIT is a perfect example just because – I mean, it's not a secret that the number of eyeballs that watch college football is significantly more than it is for college basketball. For sure. Like, you know, people, you know, two months ago were watching, you know, the Bahamas Bowl on like a Monday morning. You know what I mean? Or that Miami Beach Bowl was like a 2 p.m. game or something East Coast. Yeah, people will watch the games. I don't think that's the problem. I think it's just a matter of figuring out how much money you can wring out of it because that's you know that's what makes that's what makes all the rules these days i get you and i apologize i get a few guys comment too i got christian nux will can only hear me but we're just gonna keep going with this and we'll figure out next time so i apologize folks and we'll we'll get back on track with this next time i'll i'll get some um, actual support i'm not saying anything important anyway so you're the more important half <laughs> of this show so that's yeah. like no nah, i say nothing but, um, again, you can listen to the podcast, Christian, that way. But we'll get this worked out, figured out, going on. But I kind of suspected a few issues. But next topic a little bit. Um, what should we go to next? Um, Air Force. Let's talk about money and weird games. Air Force. It worked they, out for them at the Cotton Bowl. Did it? Well, I mean, they made money off of it. $3,480 more than their last home game against New Mexico and a grand total of $300 more than it made in the October 22nd home game versus Hawaii. So technically. Yeah. Yeah. Every dollar. That's a stipend right there. You know what I mean? In front of dozens of people <laughs> in front of dozens of people. It, the thing, okay. They lost the game. Well, I know that and air force, um, they've owned New Mexico at home. So it was an odd to make the move because they played so well at home. Played so well versus the Lobos at home, but I don't know if this is a great idea. But it seems like they're going to want to continue this because the main thing the AD the AD there said Nolan's like we want a brand, we want to we don't want to be a regional program. Mm-hmm. But they already play Navy and Air and Army non conference. They're not going to move those games. They usually play an FCS team like they're playing VMI this year. It's going to have to be a league game. Where else would they play? Would they play say Fresno and San Diego at Qualcomm or whatever stadium ends up being there? Would they play? Unless they get Colorado, play them in Denver. What would they do? Like, if it's a conference game, teams don't want unless they're get, unless it's Air Force giving them a home game. There's maybe some incentive for a road team to come, but I don't know what New Mexico's financials were. If they got paid for anything on this, it's about the same distance. Dallas, I assume Albuquerque to Dallas, Albuquerque to Colorado Springs is very similar. But 
where else would Air Force do this to give up a home game to say I want to be a big brand because not many people showed up. You're not going to get to – what are you going to do, go to the Independence Bowl and play Utah State? I'm just saying, out in Shreveport. I think this is a really interesting question just because, you know, I feel like the the Air Force athletic director makes that kind of statement simply because, you know, I think they have the opportunity to mirror – what Navy's tried to do in the last few years. Like there's a reason that Navy plays in the West rather than in the East, even though Annapolis is on the East coast, it's because they want to be able to recruit nationally and play in tech teams in Texas and Oklahoma, Tulsa, Houston, SMU are all in that West division. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I think if you want to be that similar kind of program where, you know, air force is getting athletes from all across the country anyway, you know, it's the same reason why, you know, Army Navy plays in Philadelphia every well, year. Well, why can't, well, I saw that now, why can't Air Force Navy, Air Force Army get that type of game? I get it's Army Navy, but why can't Air Force Navy get a game in Soldier Field or go to San Diego or play somewhere as a big base? Why can't they do that? That seems to make the most sense. And I would agree with that. And that's why I'm trying to, it's a really interesting question about, you know, besides going to something like the Texas State Fair, what else could they do? And I'm trying to, I mean, offhand, my, my knowledge of Air Force bases across yeah. across the West is kind coastal, of limited. Usually coastal stuff. Yeah, because I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to think because I know that there's an Air Force base near Vegas, but you know, when they go to Vegas, they're going to play at Sandboy Stadium. And then if they build the new stadium out there, they're just going to play there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's hard to think of like neutral sites in the West that aren't already closely associated with someone that they would go travel to and play anyway. Unless they're playing LA, like, like, you know what I mean? Like Maybe. a San Diego or something like that. Or depending what, um, what is it? Carson City where the brand new, new uh, Chargers are going to play LA Chargers. That only seats 30,000. They can play in Carson City. That's this, not cool. I'm just saying that's something a little bit this different. Soccer stadium. Oh my god, that would, I, that would you know that would actually be kind of hilarious. And well, that's they where the have to, that's where but, the Chargers were playing, so they're going to be in a tiny stadium for a couple of years. But they wouldn't also have to worry about selling that many tickets, which I yeah. think is. But it, you know, it's hard to say because then you'd have to try to agree to like, would you would you give up that home game for a conference game or would you have to schedule for non-conference games? And I think that's where the rub lies because, you know, what's the point in scheduling an FCS opponent on a neutral field? Yeah, no, no, nothing. And then I'm trying to look at what Air Force is doing within the next few years. Like, where could they possibly go? I'm trying to do this they usually, talk. Yeah, they usually play an FCS team outside of Army-Navy because they have they have four non-conference games. They'll play maybe a middle Big Ten team or something like that. But if they want to, if they want to, like the AD wants to improve their brand, you can't play a conference game, a national brand. You know what I mean? You got to play a bigger team. Not disrespect, but you want to play a non-conference game where it's a team you normally don't play in an area you're normally not at. Yeah. Like playing Northern Illinois at Soldier Field, eh, maybe, but I don't know. You'd rather play Illinois in Soldier Field or or play. Notre Dame, you know what I mean? Something like that yeah. would make more sense. But they're typically FCS, the two academies, and just the uh, an OK team as that fourth team. Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at their non-conference schedule in the next few years. And what they have lined up is next year they're playing at Michigan. Like, you know, Michigan's not going to give up a home yeah, game. Never. Um, and then, you know, two years from now in 2018, they play home versus Stony Brook, and then they're at Florida Atlantic. Yeah. So maybe they move a game to, like, Marlins Park or something like that? I don't know. Lane Kiffin! <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and then, you know, three years from now, you know, in, tw- in 2019 and 2022, they have a home and home with Colorado. So maybe the home game for Air Force goes to Denver? But that could mean two games for them at Denver because usually they play CSU there. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of hard to say what those opportunities would look like off the top of my head. But, you know, if the money is there, they're going to keep doing it. And, you know, for a team that wants to be national, that, you know, to some extent already is national, it makes a lot of sense to me. You got to, yeah, you got to do something different, but... If he's doing anything, he's keeping it close to the vest. I'm betting if he gets a non a conference game, and the money's guaranteed for the other team, they're fine. And I get mm-hmm. doing it, doing it, doing do it. Scheduling, excuse me, during the Texas State Fair, 
more people are there, but they sold. They said they sold eighteen thousand tickets. There's no. I put some more photos on there from an article I wrote. I think today. There's nothing to happen, but let's move on. All right, All so right. let's get let's stick with Air Force. They might get two players drafted for the first time ever. Wouldn't that be something? You got Jalen Robinette and Weston Stillhammer. Stillhammer, late round pick. Some are saying maybe six, seven undrafted, but there's been mock drafts of Robinette's been the first mountainless player and a top sixty four pick. Which is amazing after like his playing Air Force receivers, production was good per yards catch per catch because the play action they run, his touchdowns are pretty good. He didn't get that many receptions, but he could put up the yards. And mm-hmm. so whatever they saw at the East West Shrine game, then he got the invite to the senior bowl. They know he can play football and play better. So it's interesting to see him going from maybe being drafted to being the top guy off the board from the conference. Yeah, I mean, that would kind of be something, right? But I think what's what's cool about Robinette in particular is, like, you look at him, and we already, we've been watching him for a few years. We already know what his strengths are. Like, he's the biggest wide receiver prospect coming out in the conference. You know, he's 6'3", 220, which in itself is, you know, a big plus. You know, the NFL likes big physical guys. And playing in a run-heavy offense at Air Force, we know that he's like a really good blocker as well. Mm-hmm. We know that he can make tough catches over the middle. He, we know that you know he can you know run deep, and you know grab tough catches on the sideline. I think what's going to be interesting is to see. We know he's big and physical, but how fast is he? He's going to the combine, I, so we'll figure that. Assuming he runs, we'll know that pretty soon. Yeah, because if he's got like good speed, I think that's where you start talking about the you know third, mid, second round or something like that. If he has okay speed, then you know maybe he's like a fourth round you know flyer, kind of like Rashard Higgins was last year. Yeah, I think well, Higgins people... had speed too, which is weird. He had the speed with to go with that. At least we thought yeah. he did. So I think that you know if he can prove a lot of these you know speed and agility type things, you know in in the combine pretty soon that i think is going to be what really drives stock upwards because, he's gonna be fast know, enough we, that's it fast enough yeah we we know what his strengths are pretty well and i think that they are a very obvious strengths but it, i think it, it's a matter of more measuring like you know how deep are his weaknesses that's what i would look out for because he's too big to even though what he played he's too big to be a slot guy even though he can go across the middle and get those catches he mm-hmm. not gonna be a tight end obviously but he could be a guy where trying to compare who he might be with the size and what he can do because he can make catches like you said pretty much anywhere on the field he'd be an outside guy obviously uh, for any team that gets him but like the Chiefs are looking at him perhaps that's one of the teams like he maybe Tennessee they need a go-to wide receiver to go with uh, Marcus Mariota there at QB and then they have Derrick Henry still back there could be a pretty good threat he's going to be a guy where it's I can't think of Tom Bad who he reminds me of but I want to say Calvin Johnson because that's that big size but Johnson had a lot of good speed downfield you know what I mean like he makes catches like that at times well but that's, Calvin that's Johnson too... was kind of a freak and I that's think what I mean that's probably... what I, yeah I'm just mean like the way he makes catches and can be physical but he's not as fat I'm not saying he's that good but I'm trying to think like a similar style mm-hmm. I think that kind of fits but I don't know. And then they changed the rule last year where they'll go case by case if you can go to uh, play your pro sport or go serve uh, the academy, whatever it may be. Because, like, who is it? The um, Jacks, it was it Jackson Grit, the pitcher? With the tw- who is it? Um, crap. I put something on him the other day. He's not going to spring training because he has to finish. Um, he wants to, he has to graduate, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's going to commute back and forth. But he already has a job at Pensacola if he needs to be. But he's he's going to go to extended spring training at the end of May once he graduates. But they've cha- they're kind of loosening up a little bit. If you're gonna if you're drafted, if you have a chance to play pro ball, you can either work on an off season or delay your commitment. So I'm assuming if Robinette gets drafted, like or even still if Stillhammer goes to a UDFA or a priority free agent, they'll get their chances to go. But if Stillhammer gets say he's mixed, gets cut, he'll probably just go do that right away. But I'm sure we'd open up to let him go, you know what I mean, pursue that career. Yeah, yeah definitely. And other mocks, I haven't seen too many people, like maybe DeMonte Casey being up there. But 
Robinette, like it was, I think it's Fox and SI, like a three round mock, and it's just interesting to see him being that high. Most recent ones, no, but if they get two players drafted, they haven't had a player drafted since I think 1999. I want to say. Yeah, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I looked it up the other day. I just know this would be the first time they would ever have a two players drafted ever. Good for him. So. I, I put a little note in there. Let's skip past that because that one's kind of about the team meetings. That one's a little in-depth. and we, okay. didn't get, we didn't get to that yet, but let's go to the Combine. Here's who's going to the Combine. Do you have the list in front of you? Uh, y- yes. So who's going to the Combine? Let's see. Well, besides Robinette, Steelhammer, Casey, Pumphrey. No, Steelhammer um, is not going. Or Yeah, never mind. Just kidding. It's um, okay. I was, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to look this up real quick. Well, we got Daniel uh, Brunskill, San Diego State, offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, Nico Siragusa is going to be there. Donnell. Mm-hmm. And then we got Brian Hill, obviously. Kevin Davis, CSU linebacker. I didn't know Plunders got an invite, but Hayden Hunt's going to the combine. I really what? wonder what his 40 time Yes, is. exactly. What is he going to run? A 5'8"? Five, five, I don't know. That's... I don't know. Then you got DeMonte Casey, you got Jeremy McNichols, um, Chase Roulier, Center Wyoming, and then Tanner Vallejo. It's 11 players. A few – do you think that's the correct or should a few more players get got an invite? Because guys who mentioned – like I put a few on top of my head. I put like Calvin Munson, Christian Tago, Steelhammer, Lucas Waka, Ben Weaver, Talo Tulele, or Dakota Cox. Some people mentioned Tyrion Gibson because he actually did, he did pretty good in that uh, – whatever bowl game he is in mm-hmm. any big omissions. I think Tanner Gentry was a big one. I think and Thomas Burbeck were two big ones. See, I think for as productive as he's been in the last couple of years, to me, the really big surprise is Munson. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know what the reason for that would be, but I'm, you know, I think he, if there's one guy who could benefit from this kind of a snub, and then go out there and really perform at you know the pro day whenever they announce that. I feel like he's the guy that can make that kind of difference because you know he may be you know a little bit undersized as a linebacker, but you know I think we know what he can do. And we've seen him do it in the last couple of, of years, and I think that he's a guy who could be a maybe he's not a starter, but I think he's definitely worthy of being a contributor on the next level. Oh, I think so for sure. We'll we'll see. Like, there's they have regional combines and stuff like that, so we'll see how that goes. Though there's just a couple, and it begins what February what twenty eighth, I think, through the fifth of March, coming up in a couple weeks or a week mm-hmm. and a half. So there's a few snubs, but if you're at the combine, you're almost you're very good chance to be drafted, not guaranteed. Not being the combine doesn't mean you won't get drafted, but we'll see. It's there's it, it could be the People like some comments. Oh, it's a small school stuff. But no, if, if you can play, you'll be there. There's guys from Division Three NAIA who get invited to the combine. Yeah. And so there's guys we don't know about that they think there's talent there at the linebacker position, and let's have this guy there instead of Munson or Tago or whomever. Yeah, that sounds about right. So we'll keep we'll keep tabs on draft stuff for a little bit here and there. But let's get to uh, let's kind of move down to some news. We'll wrap this up here. Um, relatively soon. We'll go maybe 40 minutes, not too long for off season to keep people entertained. So um, I didn't know this Boise state is a top 25 team by 24 seven. Is that correct? Uh, it's their too early top 25, but yeah, apparently they clocked in at number 22 recently. <sighs> people got mad at me cause I made a top 25 list and no, there's no mountain West team on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they blast me for putting, putting middle Tennessee state 25, which I don't think with their quarterback, I don't think that's a drist what's the Dristel? I think that's a possibility, but why is Boise State twenty second? Why do you think they'd put them there? Is it just because they're the a name team? I imagine the first thing I think of is kind of what you mentioned with you putting Middle Tennessee in the top, you know, twenty five. You know, maybe it's the quarterback. Like, you know, Brett Rippin, you know, for all of his ups and downs is still probably the best quarterback in the conference i don't know off the top of my head that may be getting yelled at pretty soon uh, maybe going, in, going maybe, into next year um maybe thankful that people can't hear me right now 
They'll hear, um, they'll hear it on the podcast version with the video. We're just letting it roll and see what happens. Yeah, so but, we I have mean, a, I th- yeah. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it. I think, you know, if I'm being honest, I I feel like I'm with you and your assessment that at least going into preseason, you know, without knowing who's going to step up in both the spring and fall camp to replace a lot of big stars, especially at the skill positions, like they're replacing, you know, both Spurbeck and. McNichols. Uh, Mc, McNichols. And you got like Ben Weaver, Jonathan Moxie, guys or transfers. They're losing quite a bit. Yeah, so I think that, you know, they're, they'll they be good, but I don't know if they're top 25 good, which is, like I said, kind of the same way I feel about San Diego State. So who would you put, like, if we're going to rank, like, right now, like, if to be top 25 or closest, what team would you put there? Oh, man. Um <laughs> I mean, Mind if, you, if, it is February, folks, so don't get too mad. Okay, so if I had the opportunity to stretch it to a top 40, for instance, <laughs> then to me, Boise and San Diego would both be in that top 40. Off the top of my head, where would they be? I don't know. Well, if you look at but like don't the think... FPI or S&P Plus, it's Boise at the top of both of those. But they're like, what, 40 to 60 range. Yeah, so... To me, like, I don't think it's an insult to say that they're not a top 25 team because it's not like they're going to fall completely off the map or anything like that. And I would say the same thing about San Diego State as well. Like, they're going to be replacing a lot of key pieces. Like, you know, it's not easy for any team to replace both the offensive and defensive player of the year, right? Yeah. So, so... And they're technically, well, maybe there's somebody's pushing for a QB competition with a true freshman, which I don't buy, but... It's not like yeah. Christian Chapman lit up the world, not partly because he didn't have to, but it's there's a possibility there could be something there. Maybe yeah, I mean, slim, probably, but they're both probably better than fifty percent to win ten games again next year. So yeah. that's kind of how I look at it. So let's look at this really quick. We didn't do any recruiting show or anything because I was out and you were on location out in DC doing some whatever you're doing out there writing stuff. So. Are you excited Jeff Tedford had a top four recruiting class? <laughs> Depending on what you look at, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a pleasant surprise. Um, it kind of depends on how you slice it, though, because I have I have both of the windows up for 24-7 sports and for Scout. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me is that, you know, if you look at by average on, on Scout, for instance... Like, they're fourth in average, but it's not that much better than it was in the last couple of years under Tim DeRuiter. But, like, when you look at the raw average, that's when it starts to look a little more impressive. Like, to me, it's it's interesting that the top three at the top are so closely bunched together. Like, Boise State's still the class of the conference. Mm-hmm. But CSU and San Diego State weren't that far behind. And I think that's where you kind of have to start looking at national signing day yeah, and fresno is closer to hawaii than they were to san diego state yes and well i guess the one big get for fresno was wyland free the, the defensive back who wasn't he committed to usc at one point i believe uh you know what that's a good i think so yeah somewhere big and darian Grimm is a pretty good like those are the top couple guys but Seeing Boise at the top, not a surprise from who they can normally get. And when you, here's the thing: like when you look at their disregard the national ranking because they mean jack squat. Mm-hmm. You want to? There was some article on SB Nation like recru- out recruiting your conference because that's what you want to be. Because Vanderbilt, for all, how bad they've been in the SEC for the most part, still have like a top thirty class, but they're usually whatever ten of twelve. When an SEC at twelve, they're at the bottom of the SEC, the bottom three teams every year. But you can't improve against your league when you're at the bottom. So while Boise, what, what were they, about middle of the pack, I think it's 60, 64 or so, about yeah. average. But they're they out-recruited. Yeah, them and CSU and even San Diego State out-recruited the conference by quite a bit. That's what you want to do. You want to beat your – yes, you want to improve. If you get a top 40 class, that's amazing from the non-power schools. But your most important thing is recruiting against the conference and beating and outpacing yourself from those teams. So – who cares if Fresno or Hawaii were about 98th or 90th to 100, I believe, somewhere in that range? Mm-hmm. Or 70, whatever. No, that's the point average. But who cares if they're 110, whatever? You want to look at their conference where they're at. And yeah, even with Air did. Force, it's 
One thing about Air Force really quick for you, that thought, they're actually higher than they normally are because that new rule where, hey, you guys can maybe go to pro career without having to maybe uh, commit right away to your um, postgraduate work. Yeah, I mean, what you where they end up nationally kind of depends on which rankings you trust because, yeah, like Fresno State, for example, and Scout finished seventy fourth, not bad, which is slightly below the national average. But then, like, you know, fifth right behind them is San Jose State, and so that's where you start getting into those differences between twenty four seven sports, where they have the Spartans listed eighth in the conference. Well, with the I think the twenty four seven is a composite, so it's going through Scout, ESPN. So that's why I trust this one more a little bit because it it's their rankings plus ESPN, yeah. Scout, Rivals, and I think that's it. Those in their own, obviously. Yeah. So it's I don't I don't know. It's gonna be it's impact or whatever. I didn't do too much this year because I obviously I got sick for a little while and I didn't pay attention too much to it throughout the year like we normally do. But it it's. It's something worthwhile, especially with your Ram, with your um, not Rams, but the but Bulldogs there. Maybe Tedford Dame did something, but if they could be, if basically if you're top third in the conference, you have a very good chance to win a conference title. I would say. Yeah, and I mean, even if you're someone like Air Force, who you know, twenty four seven, what are they like seventh? Yeah, with forty eight commits. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> and and they're they're credited with fifty one on Scout, and they're tenth in the conference, but. Yeah. We know that they're probably just going to be fine anyway. Yeah, there's not going to be too many two win years that um, they had a couple years ago. So yeah, but but UNLV at the bottom that's a concern for Tony Sanchez. Um, even um, Utah State, where I thought they were recruiting good, but we'll see. This these guys won't really impact more than probably a year and a half away. So good for Boise, good for CSU. Mike Bobo is doing some good things and. Yeah, we'll see that happen. So next on the list, what else we got to news to wrap this bad boy up? Uh, Hawaii's new defensive coordinator. Yeah. Do you L- want to L- take a shot at pronouncing <laughs> his name? Of course. Legi Suianuoa. Is that good? Suianuoa? Suianuoa, yeah. Okay. He was the D-line coach. He's now the uh, D.C. coach. Um, he wants to be aggressive, which, like, from his quotes from his press conference and things, he wants to be a guy who – Attacks and they had some decent defensive linemen last year on this team, and so he's done. They've done okay getting to the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think that they probably missed Kennedy Tulima Cle. Oh, for sure. Because if you go and look at what they did as far as havoc rate last year, um, they were 117th in the nation as far as defensive line havoc rate. So I mean, it wasn't great without their leading guy. And, you know, they're going to be having to replace a couple of seniors along that defensive line, too. Like Makani Kemakaleawea is gone. Corey Rasmussen is going to be gone. So they've got young guys who are going to have to step up sooner rather than later. And so, you know, if there's a storyline, I think, to watch in Hawaii going into the spring, that's probably it. Because, you know, he's going to have a lot of work to do, especially along that front. Do you know where Kevin Lampa, the former D.C., ended up? Uh, if I read, if I remember correctly, didn't he get an analyst job at Michigan? Something like that. It says non-coaching, so I guess that's an upgrade. Living that analyst life, I guess. Yeah, making not a ton of money, but look what Sarkeesian pulled, man. That's true. <laughs> now he's in Atlanta, right? Yeah, he's an analyst making, what, 35K, OC for a game, take for the title game, then goes to the Falcons. That's, that's a pretty good trajectory there, so. And he didn't even win that national nope, title game. Nope, did not even win it. So, <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Didn't he throw the ball too much too? <laughs> mm. Falcons hand the ball off to um, Tevin Coleman. Give him the ball. Dante Freeman hand it off. You would have kicked the field goal and won. Mm. <laughs> How do you like that for your 49ers coach hand over there, Shanahan? Now, <laughs> oh well, let's let's get a quarterback first. And Tony we'll Romo, talk. okay, okay, you uh, can do. No, oh come on, man. <laughs> you didn't have to throw that out there. I will say this about that: if he goes to the Texans, I'd be okay for a couple years, just because they have enough around him. But to build, I don't think Romo's the guy. He's a short-term fix if you think you're close. But definitely, yeah. And Niners, unfortunately, as you know, not that close. I think I could just safely ignore them next year. <laughs> Watch be a Chargers fan, right? LA Chargers fan. Does that work for uh, you? No. 
I don't want to do that at all. <laughs> just be right. Ra- go to the Raiders, man. You got Derek Carr there. Come on. No, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll ignore them, but I'll remain faithful to them. <laughs> that's good. Enough. That's that's fair enough. So one last note here: um, Nevada got a transfer for uh, Caleb Folsom, Folsom from Washington State. He didn't do much, but hey, it's offseason, folks. This is the news you get from us after our well, big he, talk. He, if he was the Cougars' punt returner last year, mm-hmm. so that's something to watch going into the spring. Is if he takes on those roles as special teams for the Wolfpack because you know they were okay on in their return games last year but they weren't anything special so if he can make an impact in that regard could be something to watch and one thing too it's interesting they're gonna run the uh, Jay Norvell a pass heavy he's mm-hmm. Washington State Mike Leach pass heavy and he's moving because he's from Nevada he was he wasn't on scholarship it was just too expensive I get that so he transfers closer to home he still knows still doesn't have a scholarship as a walk-on so he can play right away but it's much cheaper for in-state tuition so that's part of the reason for financials and he didn't play but him being in an air raid pass heavy offense that has to be a benefit for him to maybe get some playing time this year yeah definitely because he had what he averaged about nine yards of punts 23 yards average on six kickoffs so which is Slightly worse than last year's returner, Andrew Celius, but it's but average with punt returns or kick returns. So it wasn't too much off, but we'll see, right? Yeah. All right. So anything else we need to add for this um, half video that worked, but 100%, well, excuse me, 94% podcast since the beginning I forgot to record? Well, do we want to talk about March Fadness? Go for it. What are we doing with that? What's going on with March Fadness? Okay. So. I hope this is going to be a long pause for those people who are watching the video right now. But for those of you who if you want to hear about yes, podcast listen um, to March Fatness. Go to the podcast. I will apologize. Okay, so if you want to take a first glance at it, what you're going to want to do is go to MarchFadness.com. Uh, so it's a March Madness just with an F. And what it is is a bracket, a tournament that's run by an acquaintance of mine. Uh, who teaches creative writing at the University of Arizona. His name is Andrew Monson. You know, if you're interested in creative nonfiction, I'd definitely recommend him for that. But last year he did a bracket that was focused mostly upon, you know, the saddest songs that you would have heard on college radio stations back in like the 90s, basically. Oh my goodness. And and for the record, it was Tracy Chapman's Fast Car who won. <laughs> But now, you know, he's back. He's teamed up with a couple of literary magazines to do a tournament to determine the best one-hit wonder of the 90s. And so you can go and you can download a bracket. You can fill out your own. I picked one up at the conference I was at at D.C. last week. Uh, was he out there? And he, he was out there. I didn't get a chance to see him, though. Um but yeah, you can take a look at the bracket yourself. There are actually play-in games March that 1st. are going on right now. Our attorney proper, March 1st, play-in, correct. There's also a Spotify link on their page to listen to it, which is awesome. Yeah, That, that so must like, have taken a lot of time to put that together for Spotify. And I'd recommend if you're a um, – you should probably get the free trial so you can pick and choose the songs so you get the matchup instead of trying to wade through it all. I think that would be a good way to go as well. Well, if you go to the website – and you know you will get an essay that's attached to each song but you will also get a youtube link to each song ah there you go so you can determine winners that way so like if this is the first time you've heard of it so far you've already missed matchups for the the <sighs> basically the play-in games for the 15 and 16 seeds so here's what happens so far so do you remember that song the way by fastball yes okay so that song beat Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover by Sophie B. Hawkins. <laughs> Sophie B. Hawkins. Yes. Uh, on Community for one episode, yes. <laughs> and then uh, Snow, that song Informer, mm-hmm. actually beat Edwin McCain's All Be. Interesting. These songs are like, I know these songs pretty well from the times. So I was like, oh, yes, yeah. I know exactly what you're referring to. Yeah. And then uh, Digital Underground actually stomped Gerardo. Interesting. And then the last one that's uh, just wrapped up yesterday, actually, was EMF's "Unbelievable." You're unbelievable. Yeah that that <laughs> song that song beat "Natural One" from the kids' soundtrack. Let me ask this: I'm trying to open up the their Excel, but it's a pretty hefty file. It looks like 
Mm-hmm. Um, is the song um from Arrested Development that the Gob played all the time? Is that on the list somewhere? Oh man, I haven't seen Arrested Development in so. What's long. the song? Um, oh crap! It's like da da da. Well, what's it called? Shoot. Oh, the final countdown. Yeah, the final countdown is that on the list somewhere? No, that is an '80s song. <laughs> ah, which... close. That's so, Dang so it. the the next song is getting the next matchup is actually getting underway tomorrow. So, if you want to get in on the playoff or the play in game action, what you're what you're going up against starting tomorrow? Do you remember Natalie and Bruglia? Sure do. That song, torn. Exactly. Because oh, that song is in a play-in game tomorrow, <laughs> starting tomorrow for the next few days against Tonics If You Could Only See. And then after that, the last one is Stereo MCs uh, Connected versus Billy Ray Cyrus, of all things. Oh, jeez. So what our plan is for the podcast is probably as soon as the play-in games are Should done. Should we make our own bracket to send, submit as a show? We're going to make a bracket. Well, you know what? We're going to submit individual brackets. And I think we had the idea where our basketball guy, Eli, for those of you who watch or for those of you who listen to those podcasts, he wanted in on this discussion. And so did our Nevada writer, Brandon Blake. We should, we should so, bring them on next time. So we're going to have to figure out how to do a roundtable. And we're going to do as comprehensive a breakdown of these things as we can. And so we're not sued. We maybe do snippets of the songs. So you actually upload the show somewhere. <laughs> and I mean, if you're wondering what kinds of things you're dealing with, just as a, as, a, as a sneak peek, right? In the first round, which gets underway March 1st, like just one one matchup. You know, you got Tom Cochran's Life is a Highway versus Sex and Candy by Mar- Marcy Playground. Should Chumble Wumba win the whole thing for a one-hit wonder? <laughs> for Tub Thumping? <laughs> we'll have to talk about it that is a, i remember no joke um after school one day we we're heading to uh, grabbing food before going to like water pool practice that song tubbed up and you should know what it is or look it up but we're like oh this, it was kind of when it was kind of on its way out a little bit like it's it's a upbeat song it's it's a, it's danceable and stuff like that but like we literally changed to three to four different stations that song was on at some point at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, that, are you, you freaking kidding me? How is this possible? And that's the that point. Does, it's like, oh, I'm done. It's over. That does not surprise me. <laughs> it it was a it was very very. I think I even bought their album. It's, it's a very popular song. If the so, what's the goal of this? Is it just the best one hit wonders? Is that the plan? However, you determine your own bracket is kind of like by your own judgments right like you know my girlfriend and i were actually talking about this earlier because we both felt like natural one was a way better song than unbelievable just because we feel like it's better so however you define better is totally up to you but for all of our listeners out there you can get a pdf print it out slap it up on the website we will do some <laughs> we'll do something for this where anybody who wants to jump in can or if you want to go to the website, like I said, marchfadness.com, fill out the Excel spreadsheet, do it that way. You can also follow them on Twitter at marchfadness. And submit it that way too. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just something to kind of get us through the dreary off season. It's totally in keeping with, you know, the March madness coming up. And it's just, honestly, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I already know one area where a song is going to get screwed over. I'm looking at the bottom right bracket. Um, what did you think of the verb pipe, the freshman? You think that was a decent song? Yes, it is. Okay, you have that, and then just a few spots above, House of Pain to jump around. I know, right? And those will you meet got... early on. Fairly fairly early on. It looks like maybe the Sweet 16 round. Well, I mean, look at who they're playing in the first round. You got House of Pain and then Candlebox. I, I, never, cared. I never cared for them, so I'm like, screw it. House of Pain, move on. Tal, the, the Tal Bachman the, song's not bad either. She's still high. That's that's it's not when I was in high school. I was not too bad. But then you mentioned the Verb Pipe, and they're up against Hadaway in oh, round one. Man, what they got love, whoop. Love, there it is baby, <laughs> for a Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's loaded. That area is loaded. Oh, I need a more breakdown of this. So that's but, that's that's the region of death. Then that's what yeah. we're saying. You got Bismarcky's going to go pretty far. I'm pretty sure of that. 
But we'll, we'll we'll save our analysis oh, though. We got to get Brandon in. I got a bracket I can actually read, so I'm going into it now. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> on the website it's tiny and you can't see. You got to download your bracket to see. So, you know what I'll do? I will do a Facebook Live video yes, filling out my Pinky. bracket. Do it like Bar- Barack Obama style <laughs> for everybody out there who actually all all two of you out there who actually care. Exactly. We got the 500 miles song from. Watchtower met your mother. That was stuck on cassette in the whole in their in the Ferrero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get this later, man. There's some. Oh, oh man, I need to pull up that Spotify link. I'm still out of work for a couple of days. Maybe I'll listen to that a bit and see what's going on. But yeah, we'll, last uh, last week ooh. of February, we'll we'll have something for you guys out there. So are they gonna? Uh, they haven't updated this yet. When are they updating all the brackets, like to make the official 64? I imagine it'll probably be sometime in that last week. Okay, because I still see a couple, like you mentioned, plans that have already been occurred. So yeah, but yeah, like tomorrow, Tonic versus Natalie and Bruglia. So you got to get on that. Interesting. Yes, yeah, so we'll make a bracket. Yes, fill one out for the show. That's all. People like music stuff. It's weird. We'll put it on the website. We'll do stuff. And are we? Should we just stick with this this year and maybe make our own next year? Well, we'll of figure some it sort. Out. Maybe we'll do a smaller version because I was thinking of doing just some random stuff, but. That's it for tonight. I, I We're done. So we're nonsense. It's over. We made it almost an hour. So typical length video, folks. We'll get this straightened out next time so you can see this lovely hair I'm doing right here later <laughs> on if you want. And maybe hear Matt because there's – um. we'll see. We'll, I don't know what the deal is, but podcast, folks, outside the first three minutes, you didn't miss much. So check us out, mwcconnection.com. We'll have a show next week. So when do we want to do our March Fadness then? Like – Next show we'll because to... next week is the week before it actually begins. The last play-in game will still be going on next week, so we'll have to do it like the last like on. If we do, if we record on Wednesdays, it'll basically be. Oh man, that's the first. Okay, so we'll have to. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have to do it next week then. When I'm looking here, like when is the um, where do, where do you look at the schedule? Is there a schedule or something or upcoming games? Oh, um, so the. The the one I just mentioned, Tonic versus Natalie and Brulia, goes till the twentieth. I got okay. And then the last one, Billy Ray Cyrus and Stereo MCs, goes until the twenty fourth. Okay, I uh, see. They, okay, so I got that up there. They go to a YouTube. Ah, oh, secure password. What does this mean? Oh, we can't vote yet. Yeah. All right. So next week. So let's do a show next. We'll do Thursday again next week. Is that good for you? Yes. You need to do a Facebook Live at some point. Um, does that Bill, does that Billy Ray Cyrus Stereo MCS matchup matter too much to you? Um, I really love Stereo MCs. I love that song, and I'm really hoping Billy Ray Cyrus doesn't win. So, so let's, yes, it does matter. Okay, I just couldn't run. So we'll we'll figure we'll do that, but we'll discuss this more next week, and we'll see if we if we get the video thing working. We'll have Eli and Brandon join or do something to have them hop on, and we'll kind of do a group effort and see where we go and have some fun with it. It's the off season, folks. 190 days to go until San Jose State kicks off. Ugh, 190 days. Six months and 10 days. All right, so that's our show for tonight. Check us out. We do talk football or write football, mwcconnection.com. We'll start getting to maybe some spring preseason stuff pretty soon. Draft, obviously, combine. We know everybody wants to know that height and weight at the combine and hand measurements, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the moneymaker there. So we'll see you guys next time. And uh, thanks for um, yeah listening uh, to our website and podcast, whatever. And uh...